Welcome to episode 60 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 60 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. And uh, how are you going, John? Good. It's take two. It's take two. We got together yesterday. John was in Poland, and uh, we got together, and the internet connection wouldn't really work over Skype, so we pulled the plug on that one. And now, John, where are you at the moment, Jonbo? I'm sitting in my, one of my least favourite places in the world, LA Airport. <laughs> Been here for about three hours, and I've got another couple of hours to go, and then I'm um, back to the land of the long white cloud. Back to the land of the long white cloud. And Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffees of Hawaii. It's a good time to check out the new website, www.coffeesofhawaii.com, but we'll get into that later on. So around this week's show, we've got a bit of news coming up. Quite a few races have been happening, which is really, really cool. Uh, we've got Lanzarote coming up, so we're going to have a quick look at that. Um, John's going to give a bit of a report on what's been happening in Poland. Um, we've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an age grouper of the week. John's got a top five or high five on what? We are focusing on... What to focus on when you're doing some long-haul flying, and just a few tips. Yeah, no, there was a couple of good tips in there, mate. There's a few I'd take from that myself, I have to say. <laughs> we've got a website of the week, and we're going to finish off with lots of questions and answers. We've got quite a few to back up on, so we may have to do another questions and answers show at some stage. Just before we start, my voice is dying because I've been teaching too much aerobics, so sorry about that. But anyway... And if, I have any, if we have any uh, background noise, we, if we may have some French Air France people just kicked me off my seat before, so I've had to move, and we may get a bit of background noise, so apologies for that. Yeah, because he's an LAX. Um, so first off in the news, it, well, it's always about us, we've got the news that the bike jersey orders are just about finished. Yeah, people have basically got about a day or so to get those orders in. Yeah. Had last-minute orders firing in today when I checked the emails, so um, yeah, really got to get those in by Wednesday uh, and we're going to put the order in on Friday, and then hopefully they'll be producing the jerseys within uh, three weeks, and then we'll get them out to everybody's ordered them. So just want to say thanks, thanks for ordering. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. We've just had so many orders, and it's just every day when I wake up in the morning, there's just so many orders for the jerseys, and uh, it's pretty wicked, eh? Yeah, no, it's good, and it's going to help us uh, spread the Iron Man Talk word around the world, and the more people that download, you know, the easier it is for us to get a bit more support for the show, and we'll hopefully be able to devote more time and make it better and better. Just keep on improving. So I know we've had quite a few races on over the last week. Um, first of all, we had that double Ironman in Dubai. Um, yeah. We really want to support these races that are, that are starting up, and unfortunately I can't find the results for this, but if people are interested, there's a race report up on k226.com from a guy who was over there, and um, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, double Ironman in Dubai, and by all accounts, the very, very hot and... Uh, you know, maybe they underestimated the heat a little bit, but uh, we'd be keen to hear from anybody else who knows any results of that race. Um, but if people are keen to just check it out, yeah, k226.com has got a little report on there. We had the Sacroix 70.3. Um, what was that last weekend, wasn't it? It was. So uh, Craig Alexander, defending champion, took it down again. It was actually an Aussie trifecta. We had Craig Alexander, um, Richie Cunningham and Chris McCormick and a couple of other guys all biking together and then it pretty much came down to the run with um, Craig Alexander running at 1.15 to take it pretty easy to, and a 4.04.52 from, who was in second place, Bevan? One, two, three, four, happy days! <laughs> Richie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. So, so um, both, 
You go ahead. So was, was, were you surprised he ran down Mecca by so much? Yeah, it was a bit. I mean, I think everybody saw how Mecca performed last year in Hawaii, and, and I think everybody thinks that he is going to put all his eggs into um, trying to win Hawaii this year. So, you know, normally early season, he's in, he's in storming form. He goes and wins Ironman Australia, um, goes over the States and does very, very well. So, you know, maybe this year um, he's either had a bad build-up or he may be injured, or he is really just focusing on uh, building up for, for one peak in the year, and then that is to, to win Hawaii, because that's really the only thing he hasn't done in the sport. So, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. But it's interesting when you listen to Mac, when you feel, I've heard him on a few interviews, and it's interesting when you listen to him, and he, he sounds so competitive. I can't imagine in a race like this when you get off the bike if you'd deliberately take it easy. No, he's not that type of guy, but I mean, he is up against Craig Alexander and, yep. and uh, good old Richie Cunningham, and, and they're pretty good athletes, so you do have to be on your game to beat them. Um, but, you know, a little, a little bit surprising. I mean, he lost five minutes there to Craig, mm. so, so that's mm. quite a bit. Um, yeah. so, so who knows? You know, something may come out in the news, <laughs> but, you know, I think um, I'll, I'll be putting my money on him to win Hawaii this year, and I think a lot of other people will be, and uh, he's not the kind of guy that. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy that cracks under pressure. I mean, he has cracked in Hawaii before, but I think that's really been down to you know, a bit of inexperience and so on. So yep. he's just a really nice guy, and um, I think he gets a bit um, misquoted in the media sometimes. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm sort of backing him to win this year. So on the girls' side of things, we have Julie Dibbins. Took it yeah, out at 429. A little bit of a surprise there, because... Um, we had Samantha McGlone, who you know was really dominant on the 70.3s last year, and she only managed third place. So apparently, one of our listeners emailed in for bagging me for not mention, mentioning um, the, the other English girl there, Catriona Morrison, who's yep. uh, who's pretty handy, and she got second, so uh, an English one too. And we also had an English girl, Abby um, Bailey, in fourth place. So Samantha McGlone managed to split up those palms, um, but Julie Dibbins took it out pretty easy, really. She'd um, she led, led from start to finish, I think. Came out in 25-minute swim, 2.33 on the bike and 1.30 on the run. So hmm. pretty solid day. Won it by four minutes. And then another, um, another four or five minutes back to Samantha McGlone. And Desiree Flicker only managed, what, fifth, fifth there. Yeah, yeah. So um, she hasn't shown too much form since Hawaii last year either. No, but again, is, are, they just, are they delaying it for Hawaii again? It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a bit hard to say, but uh, and, and we we do know that short course racing is very very different to to Ironman. Um, you know, Julie Dibbins is a good short course athlete. I think she made the the English uh, Olympic team, and Samantha McGlone does short course stuff and doesn't do the Ironman. And, and I think the short course guys do have a an advantage over Ironman at, at half Ironman um, distance. So we'll wait and see until the, the rest of the Ironmans start rolling around later in the year. So we also had Wildflower and uh, Bjorn took it out. So it was a pretty big race for him. It was. I mean, we, we, everybody knows what Bjorn's like. He's just a monster on the bike and a yeah. very, very strong swimmer. I mean, basically five yeah. minutes faster than anyone on the bike. Oof. Yeah, it's just... no, no. I'd love to say we, we, I trained with him, but he lived with me for like three months. I never went on the bike with him because you literally... You, you can't keep up. It's like his cruising speed is like 35, 36k an hour, and that's just easy pace. And yeah. you know, just steady for him is sitting on 40k an hour. And for, for guys like us, we're just absolutely hammering to do that. So um, what was impressive is, is Bjorn can run, and, and I've always said this on a number of times on the show that that he can run. And and in this race, Chris Lee, who, who's you know 
arguably one of the, the top two or three um, half Ironman races in the world. He caught Bjorn on the run, and then um, Bjorn put the hammer down on him and, and ran ran away from him to oh, take the win by about 30 seconds. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So, so he had the five-minute lead coming off the bike, and then yep. Chris Lee ran up to him, and then uh, they ran together a bit, and then Bjorn managed to pull away at the end. Oh, so, uh, that's very good. Pretty impressive there, and um, yeah, it wasn't too bad a field. Old Rosie was there, Leon Griffin. Uh, he's not a bad Australian. Was racing, and a few other good good Australians. So, um, you know, Bjorn's a top athlete, and, and I think half Ironman's his distance. He uh, he doesn't have the fueling issues that he, he might have in, um, say, Ironman racing. Oh, he's such and a big man, isn't he? He's, he's so much he's got so yeah. much muscle mass and such a tall guy that. You know, it's interesting. I was on Slow Twitch yesterday, just uh, going around promoting Gordo's interview, and um, I was reading. There's a big thread on it because there's there's a lot of controversy around Bjorn. You know, like is he really a good oh. triathlete because he hasn't done that well in Ironman? And it's uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And obviously, at this distance, he's a gun, isn't he? Yeah, and and I, and I think if if uh, if there was such a thing as you know triathlon individual time trial races around the world. I think Bjorn would be one of the guys that would do very, very well yep. if it was to be like a, say, a 1,500 swim, 40K individual bike time trial, 10K individual um, run. I think he would do very, very well. Um, but as we know, you know, he's had a few issues with the Ironman distance. But this race, and he also won, uh, I think it was Timberman last year by about seven or eight minutes or something ridiculous. So, you know, fingers crossed he sticks with it and uh, keeps going with these half Ironmans because I think that's what he's good at. Well, you make more money from it too because you can race so much more. So on the girls' side of things, exactly. got, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the girls' side of things. We've got Vicky Levy. Is it? Vicky Lavelle, yeah. Yeah. She's a so she does a bit of short course and she also does some uh, some long course stuff. Just a really good all round athlete. I think she comes from a, a swimming background. I mean, she led from start to finish. Came out in twenty five minutes in the swim, bike two thirty seven and ran one thirty. Um, and she beat it. Took out took the race out from Miranda Carfree by about three minutes. Then Kate Major in third, mm. 4.42. Um, so, again, the Iron Girls uh, not doing quite so well there. But Becky Lavelle, she's a, she's a good athlete. I mean, she does a lot of ITU racing and uh, you know, pretty impressive win. The, the course here in Wildflower is very, very difficult, uh, very hilly. Apparently, it's quite windy. Um, and remember last year, Terenzo Bazzoni yeah, uh, won the race. Yeah, smacked it, didn't he? He, he did. He absolutely drilled it. I think he broke Simon Lessing's race record. Yeah, so. yeah. It's interesting as well, as you, you often say how short course people generally are faster in the 70.3 than the Ironman athlete, aren't they? Yeah, I tend to think so. Um, <clears throat> especially if, if Ironman guys are in Ironman training, you just don't do that top-end speed. I mean, some yep. of them do some do like to prepare specifically for the, the half Ironmans, and then they tend to get a bit of a boost. But, but I really feel that if you're in Ironman training, um, it is pretty difficult to, to do a good half, and you know, I'm a good example of that last year when we um, raced down Nash Burton for both of us when we were in Ironman training. Yeah. We got our asses kicked by um, a guy who, who was much better at short course, and I think had we prepared um, specifically for that race, I think it probably would have been a, a pretty close race between the three of us. Mm. But hey. Hey, next time. <laughs> hey, so, um, so the 101s finally started and uh, didn't have too much of a turnout in the numbers-wise, did they? It was a bit disappointing, yeah, and, and it sounds like they had a few uh, pre-race issues with bike course closures and not being able to use the bike course they wanted and so on. And it's, it's quite similar to what happened with the, the challenge race down in Wanaka this year. You know, there was yep. 
a lot of um, quite a bit hiccups. of hype around it, but but quite oh yeah, quite a bit of confusion. You know, people were didn't know about the course, and and obviously it's a first time things happening, and people often hold back and and maybe don't go and race, and that's really what happened here. They only had you know a couple of hundred people racing by the sound of it. They yeah. did have a good pro field, and so it sounded like it was a great pro race, but but a, a pretty small field overall. And and you know I really do hope that the, that the numbers do pick up for them, and uh, and hopefully they've got a good you know, done their, their, their banking correctly and, and the, the, the the series does stick around because I think it's a good concept and uh, and it'll help to keep the WTC guys honest if it, if it really takes off. Well, it's interesting when you talk of Challenge Wanaka that they have a five-year plan to, you know, to actually make it work, don't they? And they, they realise that the first couple of years are going to be a bit smaller and I imagine with the 101s they must be thinking the same way. Exactly, and and, and I know from um, <coughs> the people that were Training for the Challenge Wanaka race last year was very, very small, and, and where we are, Christchurch, which is the, the biggest centre to Wanaka, yep. and the number of people that are going to go and do it this year is yeah, it's probably huge, isn't it? Twenty times more than what was last year. Um, so you know, I think they're going to at least double their numbers next year, and then I think it's just going to keep growing. Uh, I don't think they'll quite get to it'll take a long time to get up to sort of Ironman standard, but but I I think we can see some big growth. So hopefully these 101 guys can just grin and bear it for the first little while and hopefully now they've got their first race of the series underway, um, people support the other races and I'm, I'm sure the pros are going to because the money there is quite good Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and they pulled a good field so hopefully as the series progresses it gets better. It's one thing It's one thing because um, I'm doing Challenge Rote and uh, Felix, he knew that we were promoting Rote um, or me you know, just talking about it on the show and just one thing about the Challenge series and I'm not putting down Ironman here because I actually think Ironman are pretty good at, at kind of customer service and the way they email you, you know, things to look out for and you know, when it's going to be on TV and stuff as well but Felix just wrote me an email just saying thanks for promoting it on the show and you know like this is a race organiser of a pretty big event for him to put the time out to email me to say that you know like it just for me I feel with the Challenge Series they've got the right attitude and um, you know if they can build a kind of a good company it would be really great for the sport mm, mm. I, th- I think their, their whole thinking is you know they're obviously trying to make a living out of it and uh, but I don't think they're really trying to make a big conglomerate business that's going to take over the world that I think a lot of people sometimes feel about Ironman, about the WTC <laughs> it's just a money making machine yeah. and uh, I think some people get pretty annoyed about that and, and I really don't think the challenge brand is, is so much about that mm, yeah, yeah, I was just well impressed I was just loving an email to be honest and uh, Gordo took out yeah. a race, he took out what race did he take? Oh, we, we, better talk, we better talk about the results from the 101 back it up back it up, back it up. <laughs> um, we actually had a guy that I've never heard of take the race out in pretty uh, impressive fashion, a guy called David Thompson from uh, the States, and he held off a pretty strong field. Um, he's apparently a very good Jew athlete, and he ended up taking the race out in 5 hours 45. So for people that don't know about the 101 distance, it's 101 miles the course, and it's the, the old Nice distance. So in kilometres, it's a 3-kilometre swim. Uh, 120 kilometre bike and a 30 kilometre run, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice distance. It took this. The winner was five hours 45, so obviously longer than a half Ironman, but much shorter than an Ironman. So the guys can race regularly. Uh, and the the big threat there was Marino Van Honecker. He's uh, won a couple Ironman. One he? Ironman Florida, I think, and he's yep. won Ironman Austria, mm. and he's been top 10 in Kona. So I think a lot of people expected him to win, uh, but he blew up on the run and he only managed to get fifth place. So we had David Thompson in first, five hours 45. Good old Stephen Bayless, who trains down in Christchurch sometimes, in five hours 54. Yep. And then Nate Courtium 
in uh, third place. And just a couple of other names to note, we had Marino there in fifth, uh, Chris McDonald, who's an ex-Cantabrian from Christchurch also. He was down in sixth place. And uh, unfortunately, old... Um, Jonas. Jonas dnf unfortunately, but he's been one of the real advocates for the series, uh, especially since the ITU um, did a big turnaround with the ITU World Champs shortening the distances there. So yeah. he's been one of the sort of spokesmen for the series. Mm. Um, and on the girls' side, they had a, a very, very good field, actually. Um, Leander Cave, who's a short-course girl, uh, former world short-course champion, she took it out in 6 hours 23 from Nina Craft. So wow. we've uh, talked about her possibly not because she was in the last race she pulled out. Yeah, but she's doing this race here, so... Mm. Yeah. So she uh, she took came home in second place. Uh, Leander was 6 hours 23 Nina Craft was 6 hours 30, and a little bit surprisingly, Hilary Biscay managed to take down uh, third place in 6 hours 38 from Karen Holloway and Bella Comerford in yeah. fifth place. Yeah. So uh, it's a good racing, a good prize money. They had 10,000 US for the winner. Uh, it looked like it went down to what seven deep. What does the 70.3 pay? Uh, I think it varies quite a bit from race to race. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'd say it'd be maximum 10,000. Okay. But I think, yeah, it does vary quite a bit from race to race. Okay. And then we did, yeah, like you were just about to say, we had the Napa Half Iron Man. Napa. And uh, quite a... Napa. <laughs> and we had old uh, Gordo on the show last week, and uh, he won the race in pretty convincing fashion. <laughs> yep, dominated by about 15 by, minutes. Yeah, so it just uh, Gordo doesn't necessarily go to the big races for the halves. You know, he specifically finds race dates that fit in with his schedule. And uh, he doesn't really care too much if he's racing people or not. And in this case, it would have been a very much an individual time trial. One in four hours, 22 minutes. And uh, second place was Roger Thompson, who was 15 minutes back in four hours, 37. And just one other person to note there was Jeff Schilt, who was in eighth place. He's one of our regular Epic Camp boys. Oh, there you go. Well, actually, Mike Montgomery sent me through an email. Montgomery, actually, sent me through an email um, saying a race they'd done a few weeks ago. I can't remember what the race was, but Mike had actually taken out Gordo on that race, but I think Gordo had done one of his oh, really? go-easy-on-the-bike things and then smacked the run, because I think he ran uh, like a 33-minute 10K. And then, uh, ah. But I think Brandon took out, the Campo took out both of them. So, um, ah. yeah, yeah, because I think the Campo raced as an age grouper and the two boys raced as pros. And uh, right. Mike got fourth overall and Gordo got fifth, but I think the Campo actually beat them as an age grouper. So, oh, um, we'll have to dig those results up for next week. Yeah, definitely, it was pretty interesting. So anyway, this week coming up, we've got Lanza Grotti. Mm, actually, before you know, we go into the pros, old druggy Fegan's racing in this race. So, I, th- I think we have a number of the guys uh, who, yeah. especially the UK guys, the going over boys. there. I know. I know another guy that ordered a jersey today. He um, wrote on there he was off to Lanzarote. He was a little bit disappointed he wasn't going to have his bike jersey in time for that. But, understandable. Um, totally. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> but Lanzarote, it's, uh, it's yeah, really the first European sort of Ironman of the season. Very, very, very tough course. Very, very hilly. Very windy um, and pretty unrelenting. Open water swim. So it's a tough day at the office, and it's the times generally when you, look at the profi- when you look at the profile, because it's just not that strong this year, is it? No, it often isn't that way. You get a lot of the sort of second-tier Euro guys racing, and they're by no means are they slow, but you don't often get a lot of the rock stars turning up there. Yeah, just um, too early? It's, it's, 
Yeah, it is a bit too early, and I think I tend to think a lot of them come down and either do New Zealand, Australia, Arizona, and try to qualify there. Um, but the opera don't know quite why they don't go there. It's but it's a tough day at the office, I tell you. And and sometimes you do get more specialists going there. You know, maybe French guys that are very very strong on the bike um, because it's such a, the bike on, on that course is, is such a big thing. Yeah. Um, they they maybe tend to specialise for this type of racing a little, a little bit more. Yeah. So on the guys' side of things, we've got Stephen Lebertree. Liberty. Uh, I mean, he's, he's he's a good athlete. I mean, he's he's uh, had a number of high placings in Ironmans. I don't yeah. know if he's won an Ironman or no, not. No, he's had, he's he's had three second places, couple fours. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he, he finished second there in 2004. He was uh, second there in Florida a couple of years ago. Yeah. So he's um, pretty consistent performer. I, I guess it is going to be really interesting to see how Luke Van Leer does. Mm. Um, really hasn't produced much since uh, for basically. a number of years, really. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, on paper, you'd think oh, he, he'd take it out easy, but, you it's know... because I've got his knows? results here for a few years ago, like, from his, you know, his race results, and you look at his first couple of results, it's like Hawaii, 804, IMM record, you know, European Championship, 750, you, you know, record. And then after that, you know, he had a couple of big years, you know, 1991 Hawaii again, but then after that, just never really kind of came through, did he? It's yeah, it's, it'd be really hard to to pinpoint what went wrong there. Uh, he, you know, it, it does happen with a number of athletes. I mean, Simon Lessing's still racing very well, but in the 90s, he was just so dominant. It, it, it wasn't anybody even in the race. Like if you if you turned up to an ITU race, you said, right, Simon Lessing's going to win it, and who's going to come second? It was yeah. it was honestly like that. And he all of a sudden he just fell off, fell right off, and he was still competitive, but he certainly didn't have that fear that um you know everybody yeah. just go to the race and go. We're not even. A, it, it's not even worth trying, hardly. And another one, Emma Carney, she was like that. She was so dominant on the women's field, and then all of a sudden she just lost the plot. And, you know, it could be down to a number of things. Maybe they trained so hard, their body just uh, pretty much started to shut down on them, and they, and they maybe keep continually getting sick. I don't quite know. Um, but who knows what's happened to Luke Van Leer. It'd be nice to see him come back and do really well. Um, We'll just have to wait and see till next week. Uh, I probably wouldn't put too much money on it. I'd say Stefan Liebertrau would be um, one of the ones to watch. But also, two other go- the two brothers, the Lanos brothers, I mean, they're very, very handy athletes. One of them's been uh, sort of around about fifth or sixth place in Hawaii, um, also on podiums and other races, so very, very handy, those two boys. And uh, so I'd, I'd expect it to come down to those two and probably Luke Van Leer to take out the race. And on your side of things, who are you thinking? Actually, there's one other guy racing. There's Stefan Vukovic as well. He's a very strong athlete. He's been second in Canada and uh, top ten in Hawaii. So, you know, it's not not too bad a field. It's uh, not amazing, but it's not too bad. The girls' side of it, um, not particularly strong. Tina Bowman is uh, coming back. She got second last year. Tara Norton from Canada again, bit of a bit of a journey sort of lady. She just goes around and, and pretty steady, never never setting the world on fire. And there's a number of other girls there as well that are just sort of good steady races, and it'll probably be actually quite close racing, which will be uh, interesting. Mm, we'll be on it. Um, nice. Okay. Um, so good luck to all the listeners out there who are actually doing the race this weekend. It's uh, obviously a pretty exciting time for you guys. Take it easier this week and just cruise, and then. Go on there and smack it on the day. So anyway, John's been off to Poland. He's been yeah, taking... Th- oh, what's that? I was just going to say, I mean, uh, I think Gordo's interview last week was really good because it, uh, for, for courses like Lanzarote, 
where the power really does come into it if you really smack the, the hills early in the course. So if guys are still listening that, that are going over there for the race, you know, do try to take it a bit easy on the hills in the first uh, first third of the race and just try to spin over them and just try to save that power for later on. Yeah, definitely. So you've been off to Poland. John's been over to Poland taking a training camp for around a, f- a few Polish guys, kind of similar to like an epic camp. And uh, so we thought we'd just maybe talk, spend a bit of time talking to John about What's it all about? So, now, why Poland, John? Um, well, basically, I got a hookup. <laughs> you wrote me a list of questions to ask him. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we need some structure here. That's right. But I, I coach about I coach four guys over in Poland, and and the reason I managed to to hook up with them was um, actually through another guy uh, who I know in France who sort of suggested they they get in touch with me. And the reason why Poland they, they haven't got any triathlon coaches over there basically. Um, oh really? Triathlon's a really really small sport. Uh, they've got a couple of guys doing ITU racing, um, but they, there's no expertise in terms of Ironman, and, and nobody really knows what they're doing. So yep. they got me on board, and um, the second year coach, them. Hey? yes, hey? and uh, One I was day happy be enough. Like that they, yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but I was uh, lucky enough that um, they've got some good financial support from uh, from a company, and they flew me out there. And yeah, we basically did a bit of a, a bit of an epic block. So, what kind of athlete was there? What, who was there, and what kind of ability were they? Well, it's a bit of a spread, actually. Um, there's one guy who's uh, doing his first Ironman, and I'd expect him to be around about 11 hours, something like that. There's another couple of guys that are sort of 10 and a half hours, and there's a couple of guys that are sort of 9.40. And then there's one guy in particular who did his first Ironman last year. It was actually called the Extreme Man, which is a, a race they all went did in Hungary, and he did 9.05 in his first, uh, first Ironman. It's like the young guy in New Zealand, race. Um, He's... Yeah, he's a steady swimmer. He swam. It was. Quite, it is quite a fast course. He swam a 55, um, biked a 505, and then ran a 305 or something like that. Very, very strong runner. Um, I think he's got ambitions of running 245 when he races Ironman Switzerland, which I thought was going to be a little bit ambitious. He is a very, very good runner, and uh, and I'll be putting money on to go under nine hours. But he doesn't quite have the strength there on the bike. But very keen, and in a couple of years' time, I think he could be uh, a pretty reasonable pro. So what did you actually do, um, as in training-wise, when you were there? Um, it was yeah, it was pretty much an epic block, and you know uh, I think we did around about twelve, thirteen hundred kilometres on the bike. Um, so it was pretty solid. It was over only ten days long. Ten days, yep. Over ten days, and we had two two rest days on the bike. So you know, uh, give you an example. The first day we did a. A sort of standard epic day. We swam 3k, biked about 150, ran one hour. The second day we biked 215 uh, k, run off the bike. The third day we sort of repeated day one. And the fourth day we did the 200 k bike ride again. So it was pretty much a bike focused camp. Um, yeah. And we had a couple of easy days thrown in there as well to sort of recover. But the guys coped um, really well with it and. Uh, Probably was it the difference with Epic and with this camp is we kept the intensity a lot lower early in the camp. We did do intensity later on, and for that reason, the guys managed to cope a lot, a lot better. Uh, as soon as we threw the intensity in towards the end, they did smoke themselves pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but when we kept the intensity really low, all the rides were easy to steady. Um, they did manage to cope with the volume really well. well. That's interesting, isn't it? Hey, so what about training conditions over in Poland? Uh, it was... Pretty fresh, <laughs> pretty fresh to be fair. The, uh, it's, 
the first week was uh, clear and sunny, but bloody cold. Yep. The first night I was there, it was negative seven overnight. Negative seven. Um, oh, bugger that. So, and that's in springtime over there. So wow. the first week, you know, it was full winter gear, but it was much like Christchurch in winter. You know, it was beautiful and sunny. So once you got going, it really wasn't too bad. And then uh, the second week, it kind of warmed up a bit, but then it got cloudy and a bit rainy. So you kind of had the other extremes. But but it was it was really good. We uh, luckily one of the guys on the camp uh, manages the local swimming pool, oh, so cool. we had pretty much open open access to the pool, and you know could have uh, three lanes for only six of us, which was great. Nice. And so that worked really well. Um, but probably the big thing that really surprised me was the roads. You know, it was just it was really was out in the middle of nowhere in Poland. It was about three and a half hours northeast of uh, Warsaw in a place called Augusto, and uh, which is kind of on the border with uh, Lithuania and Belarus and Russia. And uh, the roads were very, very quiet. The roads were very, very smooth and uh, just no traffic. And it was just, just nice rolling, a lot of flat, but some nice rolling terrain. And uh, it's just a bit of a contrast in New Zealand when we're constantly fogging ourselves against uh, the road surface. Just the average speeds we managed on all the rides was, was, was nothing we could do remotely close when we were in New Zealand just because of the road surface. So is it Tarsil, is it? Yeah, it's just a seal, but it doesn't have that big chip like we have in New Zealand. It's yep. much more like the roads in Hawaii. So, yep. yeah, cruising along, um, cruising speed, just sitting on 32, 33 kilometres without batting an eyelid, whereas in New Zealand, you know, we're probably generally sitting on, say, maybe about 30. So probably about a uh, two to three kilometre difference per hour. And what about at the end of the road? Was your body as fatigued? Definitely not. I mean, that was probably the main thing that I noticed was, you know, if, if you, we were just talking before the show and you've just done 100. 160k ride around the gorges. Hey, back it up to about 170 something there, mate. Jeepers. Okay. Sure changed me. It was a hard ride too. Yeah. <laughs> but when we do that ride, you know, you're generally pretty stuffed afterwards, yeah. and it's it's. And over there, when you do 160k. Um, I just felt that because of the road surface, you don't have that constant jarring, mm. and uh, really surprised me that fatigue was was not too much of an issue for me, uh, wow, and that was it, it made it so much easier. It's so so that the average speed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the average speed was higher, but I think the recovery was much quicker because we didn't have those constant vibrations. Yeah, totally. So, what about your own training, mate? How'd you go? Did you smack it? I was pretty controlled. I was trying to set a good example. Oh, you could they kept smacking me, you know, going up the hills and stuff. I was always getting dropped off the back because I was trying to teach them about how to do a decent power output sure up you the were. climbs. Sure they you kept were. dropping me. <laughs> and uh, we, wound, we wound it up a little bit towards the end. Um, but the first week I was really trying to hold them back and make sure that they're getting their sort of perceived effort. Yep. It's in line with what they're... Uh, we did some lactate testing before the camp to make sure, and then just getting their perceived efforts in line with what they were actually doing, and uh, and some of the time they were a bit guilty of either going too easy or too hard, so I was really trying to teach them about their steady zone and, and becoming very familiar with that. So all in all, you know, I had a really good time. Um, I was quite surprised how well I did. I, my fitness was uh, pretty low going in, and I kind of felt like I got stronger as we went through the camp, which was kind of cool. Nice. And um, just kind of came to the end, I was thinking, right, I'm in nice shape now and I haven't got a race to do. So don't worry, I need a, a training buddy. Feeling. I need a training yeah. the next few weeks, so I'll get you working, don't worry about that. So, um, nice, so and we'll see you, what, you get back home when? I'm, I'm leaving LA in about an hour and a half's time, I've just got to make sure I don't uh, miss my flight, cool. get back to New Zealand uh, Wednesday morning and got to try and stay awake all day. Well, there you go. 
Anyway, that's uh, pretty much our news for this week. I'm going to veto you. We're not going to do the music this week because we're doing this on Skype. So I'm going to veto you for the hot topic of the week because you put one in. But I was actually, I was going through all the forums yesterday. One thing I do to promote the show is just go on forums, and I'm sure a lot of you have found the show this way. And just when we have like big interviews or something special, I go on the forums and promote the, you know, the show on the forums. And uh, it's actually interesting because the pirates uh, have a big discussion about us at the moment because we got kicked off theirs, which I, I'm liking that they're talking about us. <laughs> but uh, but I, I get to see, I probably go on about 15 to 20 different forums, so I get to see a lot of different forums and I see the value. There's, there seems to be different things with different forums, and so I thought, what is the best forum? You know, I thought that would be what we could have for a discussion of the week. What is the best forum out there? And I know we're all going to be a bit patriotic to the ones you use, but... Why do you think your forum is the best? Um, I know there's a few that I don't think are so good, and I do. Uh, there's a few that I think are really good, and ones that aren't so good. But maybe list maybe the top three reasons your forum is the best forum out there. So there you go. Okay. You like that? Okay. So we're gonna save. We're gonna save my one for next week, are we? We are. Do you want to quickly look at the one okay. we did last time? <laughs> yep. I'm just. I'm just pulling that up now. So it must we're... be about. Must be a good three weeks old now, we isn't it? Comments and... <laughs> oh, no. oh, we got a new one, actually. How can we get in? So how to get into races um, that aren't I mean, North the, America? The, the, the common way for most races is, you know, first in, first served, and uh, either that's over the internet. But I know a number of races like Canada, for example, you can, and if you're there the next day, straight after the race, then you can sign up on that day. And I, I don't really think that's that fair. Um, so we were really just trying to find out if what people think is the fairest way to get into Ironman races, given that so many of them are selling out, and should there be a change in the approach. So do you want to go one for one? You know what? Yep, definitely. I'll go first. Um, I'm basically pulling my page up. I uh, think first and first served. Yeah, like Brian's basically saying he actually thinks it's the only fair system. By placing restrictions... Whatever requirements on registration would only serve to limit participation. Um, yeah, he's basically just saying at the end of the day, as much as it's hard to keep everyone happy, he can't really. He thinks that's the way to go. So Brian Dunn, that's what he reckons. Cool. And then old Fegan, he likes the idea of having um, registration at the expo for those competitors doing the event, and then they can register the for the next year before it opens up to everybody else. Uh, he can't see it changing any 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 time in the future. Um, especially while demand sort of outstripping the supply. So he thinks the number one Ironman... Um, yeah, yeah no, he did dead. <laughs> he was focusing on the race. Um, TJ was basically yeah. saying he reckons that on the race day they should be definitely first in, first served, and if there are any slots are left, then you can maybe have a qualification system for those. Um, yeah, maybe, yep. Uh, a few guys in front of line of me this year registered three or four of their friends. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So he's saying that people registering now, uh, yeah, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be fair, should it? No, that's not right. You shouldn't be able to do that. Especially apparently people, people do it. Yeah. So yeah. So that makes it a little bit fair, unfair. Yep. Okay. But, next up. But I've heard of other people. You know, I've I've heard a number of stories of people doing that at Canada where they're queuing up and and uh, getting tickets for a number of people, and that, I think that kind of sucks a bit. But uh, then we had Ed Hawkins. Um, he's sort of something. Can it be done any other way? Um, yeah. Could should you have a sort of a selection series, a bit like what they used to do in Australia? Uh, but he, in the in the end, he tends to say he thinks the first first in first served is the only way to go. Yeah. And uh, a point a point you've brought up in the past, sort of he says if uh, you don't get in, say maybe after two or three attempts, and maybe you should get a automatic straightaway entry. And apparently that's how they do it with the London Marathon. Oh really? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? 
Um, uh, T-Rex was saying that uh, he, he's wondering if there's really a problem. He's saying with the IM brand, definitely the crowds are pretty spectacular, but then you've got races, like if you go to K226, uh, the Colombian, you know, it's practically empty, so he's wondering if there's that much of a problem. I think at the end of the day, um, for most people, when they do an Ironman race, they want their first Ironman race to be an official Ironman race. Um, and like for me now, where I'm at, like I'm thinking after I do Rote, I'm actually thinking I'll just do Challenge Wanaka next year, or the end the beginning of the next year. Um, so the, the, you know, the Ironman tag's not so appealing to me now, because I've done five of those races. But he's, yeah, he's saying that there's plenty of races to, out there to do, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I like a couple of the suggestions we've had there. I tend to think, uh, I, I don't actually like the, the way they do it, how you can sign up the day after the race. I very much like probably the, the internet version where you've just got to get online at the right time and go for it on, uh, if they say it opens at midnight on whatever, the 1st of June, you've got to get on there and register. I do like that idea that if you miss out um, twice or something, you maybe go into a special number of people will get preferential treatment um, and maybe also if, if uh, particular races do consistently sell out then maybe having a, a lottery for that. Um, I don't like the lottery for Hawaii but I think for other Ironman races I think it's uh, this may be okay because Hawaii is a, a world championship whereas yeah. the other ones are just standard Ironman so I think a, I wouldn't have a pro problem with the lottery there so Pretty much for me, I'd like to see it stay pretty similar, but I'd like to see the, the day after registration being gotten rid of and just uh, internet registration and then uh, maybe adding, adding in a lottery or uh, if you miss out a couple of times, then you get to go in. So that's where I stand. One thing they could maybe do is, um, oh yeah, and I was just thinking this kind of just came out of my head now, but... Thinking um, on your feet. You, you don't want to do that, Bevan. You don't want to think... <laughs> well, I don't know if I actually like my idea once I think of it, but I was thinking maybe what they could do is open... If you've raced that day, then you could instantly choose the next day. But then that kind of could limit a lot of people as well. So yeah, it's a hard one, isn't no, it? I don't like that one. Yeah, thanks. It is. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, that's a topic for this week. So next week, what's the best forum? Anyway, age grouper of the week. I'm doing it by myself because there's a bit of a time delay. So anyway, uh, Steve Hatton from Olympia, Washington, has taken it out this week, and it's actually sent in by John Newsom. Why is it? Yes, because <laughs> I like to nominate athletes I coach to yeah. do very well. If you want to be an age group, <laughs> um, just get John to coach it. <laughs> yeah, I have nominated a few sort of by stealth in the past that we yeah. haven't discussed, but but I wanted to bring up Steve because he was a really good example of uh, of how to pace a race. Uh, went back to a similar race that he did. We did the same race last year. Um, I told him to slow down on the bike and make sure he has a good run. He's training up for an Ironman. I said, you've got to learn how to run strong off the bike, you know, Again, echoing a lot of the things that you probably heard Gordo talk about last week, and he's got a new power meter, and we want to try to get some figures right for him before he goes to court lane. And I said, the only way we can do this is if we get some good figures from this race, and the only yeah. way to do that is if you run well. So he really held back on the bike, you know, swam about the same as normal, bike slower than normal, and then at six minutes the slower run. than normal, which is quite big in half. Yeah, it was it was a bit windy, but he still did really control his pace on the bike and then ran better than he's ever ran in his life. So I was absolutely stoked. And it just goes to show that if people do have that discipline to just hold back just a little bit on the bike, um, they will be able to make that time up on the run. Well, we ran and, 20 you know, minutes faster, you're saying. Yeah, they, uh, initially I thought it was an absolutely amazing run, but apparently they did change the course slightly. Hey, um, leave that out. 20 minutes faster, unbelievable. 20, it was an incredible improvement. <laughs> incredible. Um, 
So, uh, you know, it's just it's just great to see guys that put on the hard work and then they really do see some improvement. And, uh, and at the end of the day, one of the keys to well successful Ironman races is sticking to your plan. You know, like if you exactly. want to be, you know, if you really want to make it an Ironman race, you've really got to think about being successful with it. Um, yeah. And, and I think for you, for both you and I, I mean, all the times I've had my best Ironmans is when I've ridden slower. And when you've had your best Ironmans, I think it's when you've been individually, individual time trialing and, and sort of sticking to your pace rather mm, than other people's. And, mm. and that's a big thing, you know. Um, just got to stick to your plan, let other people go, and they'll come back to you later in the day. Smack them on the run. There you go. So that's so uh, Steady so Patton. You are our... Age group of the week. <laughs> we couldn't do it. Um, one, two, three, four, high five. So uh, John's been travelling, and he's uh, an insightful traveller, aren't you, John? I'm a bit of a long haul expert uh, because from from New Zealand to Europe, it's a bloody long way. Yep. Basically, got to get on a plane from Christchurch. We have a couple of hours up to Auckland, and then we have like about a 12 hour flight to LA, and then we have a transfer in LA, and then we have about another 12 hour flight to uh, yep. to Europe. So it's it is a long way. Yep. So I thought I'd come up with a few little tips that I uh, that I use myself when I'm travelling. I found a few of them quite so, entertaining. Uh, we'll go one for one. You want to start? Yeah. yeah. First one, always go for an aisle seat when you check in. Uh, that way you can stand up very easily, especially uh, I, I hydrate really heavily when I'm travelling and uh, going to the toilet all the time. And there's nothing worse than if you've got to climb over somebody, especially if it's somebody you don't know. So get an aisle seat is key. Also, you get a little bit of extra, extra leg room with that because your, your outside leg yeah. often gets to go in the aisle. Get hit a little bit, yep. but it's okay. Trip people up. Um, say something to the person next to you when you get on the flight. I was a bit curious about this one. What do you say, John? You just say hello or something. So, <laughs> I see so many people get on the flight. You're sitting next to somebody for 12 hours of your life and you don't say a word to them. So I always make a habit of getting on, saying but good But then there's the try- risk if you say hello and they talk to you the whole flight and you don't want to talk to them. Have you ever well, had that happen? There is, well, there is that risk, but uh, I, I like to, to live on the edge, Bevan, and, you do, and mate. take you're, some risks. You're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so say something, even if it's just hello. Hello. Bevan, you're going to get on the fl- pl- the, your flight to Germany and you say, Guten Tag. Guten Tag, that's what I'll be saying. Yeah. Guten Tag. Yeah. Or even, G'day, mate. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, you're up. Um, so that's tip number two. Say something to the person next to you. Next one, um, what I always do is as soon as I get on the flight is I switch uh, to local time straight away. And uh, if that means that I've got to stay awake for the rest of the day, then so be it. So when I come to Europe, um, going from New Zealand to Europe, I, it is, it's pretty tough work. You have to stay awake for long periods of time. Going back for me the other way, it's actually quite good because I go through two nights. So on my first flight, I had a decent sleep, and on my next flight, I'm going to have an, have another sleep. So, yep. so do switch your, switch to local time as soon as you get on that flight. And uh, if that means knocking yourself out with uh, either pills or maybe a glass of wine or something like that, then go for it. Um, uh, what about pills close to a race? Like you got to do it. Sorry? What about pills close to a race? It's probably not a wise idea. Yeah, well, if you're going to Europe, you probably should have a few days... Um, Leeway, so you should be okay. But if, if it was maybe like a, maybe a day or two before the race, then yeah, you might need to be a bit careful. But uh, if you're about a week out, I think it shouldn't be too much of a problem. One, one thing I do when I do a long haul is I um, often the night before I go, if I know the time difference is quite a bit, is I try not to sleep at home. So I try to stay up as late as possible while I'm at home. And then when I get on the plane, because I find it quite hard to sleep on a plane. So once I get on the plane, I'm just so blim and tired that you just crash. So that's another thing to help out there. Um, 
Next up, take a water bottle or a drink bottle, empty an energy drink powder in your hand luggage. So get some High Five or some Pro 4 and chuck it in your luggage and and uh, fill it up as you're going along. The main thing is, yeah, you, these days you've got to have an empty bottle when you go through all the the, the checks. So yep. I really encourage people to have, take on at least one bottle empty and then when you get on there, you just have to ask, keep asking the air hostesses to fill it up. Um, but if you just get, keep getting cups of water, it's not quite enough. So I'd really encourage people to take the energy drink and uh, and, and take some powder on the fly and just mix some mix yep. it while you're there. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting next to uh, on my way across from uh, LA to Frankfurt. I was sitting next to a guy, and he was in the US um, kayaking team. Because you said hello to him, didn't you? I did. I said hello to him. Yeah, so and I he said I'm in the US kayaking team. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, he didn't have anything. He didn't have a drink bottle or anything. And, I was, and, he, and he didn't have an aisle seat. I was thinking, sucker, when I sat next to him. I said, Hopefully he doesn't listen to the show, because next time you sit next to him, <laughs> you won't get that seat. So. No. And, uh, and he... Just sat there and suffered, and you know he hardly drank anything. And he he was racing, and a few days after he arrived, and so he would have been massively dehydrated. It would have taken him a lot longer to get over it. So, um, did you give him so some yeah. coach's tips? Did you? Did you I, I didn't. I didn't think didn't think it was the appropriate situation oh, to do that. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, last one. Don't be afraid to ask for extra food. Definitely. And my tip here is See, your always tip was ask a different. Yeah, you always ask a different hostess. So, like when I one of my flights I had from I think it was uh, Frankfurt to Warsaw, it was three different air hostesses, and I asked each of different one for an extra cheese roll. Came off that flight with three cheese rolls. <laughs> Feature for a week. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so always the tip is you got to ask a different hostess, and they come. Oh, so I got a different tip on that one. I always, ask, I always ask for an extra meal, sometimes even two. But my tip is flirt ferociously with them. Oh, I flirt crazy with just one of them. Choose one of those guys. Flirt crazy. And uh, yeah, well, these guys, yeah, 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 I'll do whatever. Play with the guys. I'll with yeah. guy. If it means more food, hey, I get three meals. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you know, I, I tend to not flirt. I'm just very <clears throat> friendly, and, and you find they always give you an extra meal. The thing is, on a plane, yeah, they don't exactly. give you enough food, and so one thing to be aware of is maybe even taking more food yourself, because they don't, you know, for us, you know, we're big eaters, and um, you know, you're so hungry. Um, so yeah. Sorry, I was just just having a drink here. Oh, you've um, got that drink bottle, haven't you? I've got I've got that drink bottle. <laughs> the water in LA is terrible. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Ever, oh, yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're digressing a little yep. bit. So so those are our, those are our tips. Um, main, yeah, but you know, long haul flying sucks. You just got to stand up a lot and uh, and walk around. And I do lots of had a lot of hamstring stretching. Um, go down yep. the back of the plane, do a lot of hamstring stretching because you're in that seated position and your hamstrings. On your flight home, enough, mate, so. I dare you. To do a hamstring stretch oh. and where the TVs are, so go out to where the toilets are, the front of the aisle. And start doing it, mate. You'll be a legend if you get someone to get a photo. Get some, go on, mate. Yeah. Get a photo. Get the person sitting next to you. Say, take a photo of me doing this, and we'll put it on the website next week. And I'll do oh, it on the way to Germany I'll as well. See, I'll see what I can do. Oh, you got to do it. We'll be disappointed if. You uh, anyway, uh, that's our high five for this week. Website. Um, I, I might just hold, hold on, hold on. Um, I might just. And my battery's getting low, so we'll keep going. But if my battery runs out, I might just have to run off and power okay. it up somewhere. But we'll keep going anyway. Yeah. The show must go on, mate. Website the show of the week. show must go on. What's that? Okay, go for it. Oh. You go for it. Oh, third time, mate. Website <laughs> of the week. Anyway, you want to tell us about this one? Yes, I will. It's uh, 
the website of the week this week is Kiwami. Kiwami. Kiwami, depending on how, we, how you want to pronounce it. And Kiwami is uh, two words together. Um, it's abbreviated Kiwi, which is obviously what Bevan and I are, and yep. it's the, the national bird of New Zealand. The bird and on the side of the jersey of the Iron Man Talk jersey. Exactly, and yeah. ami, which is the uh, which is the French word for friend, because the the couple that run this business is Craig Watson, who's an Olympic triathlete, uh, raced for New Zealand, now lives in France, and married to a French girl, Helene, uh, and Helene is an Ironman winner. I think she won Ironman France, so hence you know the Kiwi and French connection there. And basically, a clothing company make race where uh, you'll see it around quite a bit, especially on the ITU racing. They make sort of full suits, they make swim togs, they make uh, singlet. And, and a variety of things. So the website is kiwamitriathlon.com. And uh, they sell on their, their site. Like, cause like, for example, they've got Bevan here and he's got Puma on his thing. He, they actually make it, but Puma just sponsors them, eh? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've got uh, a lot of the top ITU guys are racing it because uh, they know it's good quality. And it's it's not, not made in China or anything like that, like a lot of the other companies. It's a, I think it's either made in Spain or France. Um, good quality stuff, good cut. And you know that the, the, the guys that are making this product are athletes themselves that have been at a very, very high level, so they know what they want. And, uh, you know, a lot of the top guys are wearing it. Bevan Doherty, um, Chris Gemmell, Matt Reed. Um, Greg Bennett, you know, a whole host of guys and also all my guys in Poland um, are wearing Kiwami as well and they find it absolutely fantastic they, they actually train a lot of the time in their, in their race kit um, it's com- they find it comfortable enough to train in as well so uh, it's good stuff so there are Kiwami 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 triathlon.com okay, and uh, you can buy online and get it sent anywhere in the world oh, there you go that's our website of the week beautiful okay we're going to do coach's corner this week we're just going to get straight into the questions and answers so let's do it questions and answers it's the first live show since the hair removal special and we've had a few interesting comments to, about that feature so first of yeah, all yeah I, I was uh i was thinking twice when we were going through that feature i was thinking should we really be doing this <laughs> and uh and when I actually listened to the show afterwards, I thought, yeah, maybe it did make us sound a little no, no, bit feminine. No, 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 you sound. You were, you were part of the show, mate. Okay. It's a two-man okay. thing. Okay, I'll take and, it. Uh, and so, yeah, we did, we did have a few interesting comments, but we stand by it. Waxing right. is a way to go, and, uh, and you need to do it for massages. Only, we only do it for massage. We don't do it for the looks. That's right. We're no pretty but, boys. Uh, well, I am, but... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway um, we just want... One book we've had a lot of recommendations on, and uh, is the Ultra Marathon Man, um, Confessions of a Night Runner by Dean, how do you say that, Ken? Carnese, I think. Carnese. And um, get it from Amazon, so you can get it from our bookstore, but um, I haven't actually read it myself, but I've probably had about 10, 15 emails about this, so just it's a really good read if you guys want to read it, it's just recommended by Lee. Mm. Um, yeah. So... We're gonna we're gonna get that book at some stage and have a read, but yeah, we just wanted to bring it up. Uh, you can go to the Amazon store and get it, and it's just a bit of a nutty story about this guy that does an awful lot of running. So apparently, it's pretty interesting. Okay, we've got a question from Lee from London. It's leading into his first Ironman Germany on the first of July, the week before my race, uh, after my race, I should say. Um, I'd like to race a half Ironman distance before just to get my legs ready. Uh, how long do you think to leave it between half Ironman and the big day? I was planning on racing six weeks out. But that looks unlikely for logistical reasons, so may have to race four weeks before the race. Is that too soon? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be saying that six weeks is about right, um, yeah. and I'd say four weeks you're getting a little bit close. You know, no problem doing a. I mean, I always do a half Ironman simulation, sort of four or five weeks out from a race, but I do it at Ironman pace or maybe slightly above. So, I'd be saying that if, if your Ironman race is the, your peak for the season and you're putting everything into that. If you try to smack a half Ironman four weeks out from Germany, you will it will take a, a fair amount out of your performance. So uh, I'd be saying by all means, uh, four weeks out is okay to do a half Ironman, but not to do it at half Ironman effort. I would yep. be saying uh, probably do the basically doing it at Ironman effort and doing it as a training day, test your nutrition, and that's still a good way to find your race leagues. You know, four weeks out is okay. Uh, five or six is ideal, um, but I'd say if you smacked a, a half Ironman out four weeks out, it would uh, take quite a bit out of your race day. Nice. Um, we've got Jeff, and he's... Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back, back it up, up, back it up. Back it up. And he also wanted to say, we needed to say hello to his head coach at Full On Try, Ooh, Alan try. Henley, who's obsessed by the show. Oh, that's so really hello good. hello well, to Alan. Alan. Yeah, good, yeah, it's good to have another coach listen to the show. Uh, it's all good. Well, thanks, Alan. Bring it on. Uh, we've got Jeff, and um, where's Jeff from? He hasn't got a where he's from, but Jeff's basically, it's not long back from Ironman New Zealand, great race, best time, 10.41, sensational. Also have entered Ironman Austria, and wondering if you guys had any specific advice on doing two races so close. Would you do anything different from four weeks getting back to, back up to speed, four weeks specific race prep, and then start to taper again? That's pretty much what I'd, what I'd be suggesting. I mean, um, the guys that I was coaching in Poland, they were getting ready for, uh, for Austria and doing a big block about now, or ideally sort of last week, um, would, have, would have fitted in about, about nice. So I'd be yeah, still suggesting over the next week or so, um, I think it's about five or six weeks till Austria, so still doing some, um, some really good volume um, doing some half Ironman pace work once you've got this good volume under your belt. Again, putting in a half Ironman simulation about uh, probably about five weeks out. And also what Evan and I talk about a lot is doing some main set work on the bike. So doing some good steady work um, and also doing some above Ironman pace work, some half Ironman pace in the later stages of your, your long ride to really yeah, try to up that right. power and make sure you just get a little bit of intensity. I'm not a big advocate in doing a whole lot of threshold work, um, but I do like guys who are doing some half uh, half Ironman pace work, which is more sort of just below your threshold. Tell you what, my, my main sets went too flash today. Um, <laughs> it was also asking about, um, a while ago we actually mentioned on the show about imemag.com, and uh, that it's a, basically a PDF magazine that's for, it was a German magazine, but they had an English version as well, and it just seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth. So he's wondering if anyone knows anything about that. So if anyone can actually email us and give us some feedback on that, that'd be really cool. Um, we've got Steve Robertson, and let's have a look at this one. Ooh, Steve was really asking about uh, about some open water swimming. Oh, he nice. says he's, where, where he swims up in the North Sea, where he says it's a toasty 8 degrees at the moment, uh, yeah. so I wouldn't even be getting in the water at that stage. Um, but he, he basically, when he gets in the water, he can only really swim one direction. There's no sort of boats to go around, or there's no markings to go around. He was just wondering if there's any um, tips we might be able to give him for that. Yep. Uh, so one of the things that I, I like to get my guys doing is basically trying to do like maybe get in the water and providing it's warm enough, doing maybe about a 1500 metre sort of steady swim, maybe trying to make your own little triangle, maybe swim out for um, 10 minutes across for a yeah, couple of minutes and then back to, yeah. Yeah, back to where you start from. 
And then I'd really be suggesting trying to do some race starts, uh, and this is best done with a number of people around you. So you know, if you can get a little group of maybe four, five, or six, do maybe between four and six race starts, where you maybe go for around about um, between one and up to maybe four minutes, where you're basically simulating a race start. So you can do some little variations on that. Um, so that's sort of the stuff that I, I generally get my guys doing for open water swimming. If you were just going to swim straight, that's fine. You know, you just swim for a certain amount of distance. Any open water swimming is good, um, but it's also good to do a bit of a uh, bit of interval stuff, like Bevan said, based on time, um, and also doing a bit of fart week work might keep it a bit more interesting as well. You know, maybe doing um, two minutes on, one minute off, three minutes on, one minute off, four minute on, one minute off, something like that. Yep. Another thing that um, can sort of keep you occupied as well is you can do a similar sort of thing, but you can actually count the number of strokes you do. So you might want to do, say, 50 strokes easy, 50 strokes moderately hard, 20 strokes hard, and then you can actually count your strokes, something like that. But it is a bit more difficult when you don't have any marking points, so I tend to suggest um, do have some turning points where you're sort of just making left-hand turns all the time rather than just swimming out to sea for an hour and then swimming back for an hour or something yeah. like that. It'd be very painful, wouldn't it? We do have a few Skype um, Skype questions, but we're not going to do them this week just because John's overseas and the whole show trying and to put I it together. don't want to miss my flight either. Yeah, I don't want to miss your flight. So we're going to, um, the people who have sent through some Skype questions, keep them coming, but we'll put them on the show next week. So that's cool. Anyway, that's uh, uh, Coffees of Hawaii. It's a pretty exciting time for Coffees of Hawaii because they've updated their website and it's looking like they've spent some money because it's looking pretty flash. You check yeah, it out. The site looks out. Yeah, the site looks outstanding. And uh, lots of great pictures in it. What it really does is really talks more about what they're trying to achieve as a business. You know, yep. they're not trying to be another Starbucks or anything like that. They're trying to do very much sustainable sort of uh, coffee growing and really looking after the environment, looking after the the people in the area where the the, the plantations are. Um, so we really like what they're doing and we really want to support them. So what we're trying to get listeners to do at the moment is really go on there and, and join up to their, their coffee club. There's a the little button. You can yeah, go there's on a girl there holding a card the on, club. on the front page. And you go on there, just join up, and then you're going to get notified of any specials that are coming up, and, uh, and then you can get on there. And there are actually going to be some uh, specials coming up for Ironman Talk listeners only. Um, so for this stage, what we want you guys to do is to go on there, join up, everybody get on there, get your coffee card, and then you'll be notified of sales, and you'll get special preferential treatment. And, uh, and that's the way that you can support the show, by going on there and getting a coffee card and then getting the coffee when the, the specials come around. You know what I really like about it? The card's what? really cool, and so when you put the card in your wallet, because you know how you have cards in your wallet, you pull <laughs> that one out. Yeah, no, because the card's cool, mate. I love the blue on it. So yeah, yeah, and so you pull that one out. And people are like, oh yeah, it's a special coffee. I get. You know, because it makes when you get kind of like, people kind of there's this coffee thing in intelligence, and if you kind of like get a better coffee, you know what I mean? You're kind of going up in the rank of the world, and uh, you pull out the <laughs> coffee card. You're going out on a date for a chick or a guy, and you, oh, what's that? Oh, it's some coffee club I'm a part of. You know? Yeah, trust me. Yeah. Get on it. You. You know how to impress the girls, don't you? Well, that's how I try to get a free meal on the plane. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon, that I, if, if anything, it's worth just going onto this new site and checking out oh, one of the pictures really cool, with this big canoe, the big canoe going up the wave. Which well, just because looks they, they actually incredible. sponsor the, the canoe club in the area. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it's outstanding. Yeah. But anyway, you're going there, coffee's coffeesofhawaii.com, sign up, get your coffee card, and you'll be notified of any specials that are coming up, and then you can uh, get yourself a good deal. They sponsor those guys who do the outrigging canoeing. Have you seen those guys? Yeah. And they do like a it's marathon incredible. outrigging. 
I know. It's, it's, it's the, mad, isn't it? Pretty tough stuff. Hardcore. But we're going to have to wrap up the show there, Bevan. But you're going to call, are you? going to have to... Um, we're getting, I'm getting called up to my gate. Don't want to miss things here. Okay, well, so what are you up to for the rest of the day, John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go watch watch some movies. I'm going to have a sleep. Hamstring stretch. And I'm going to I'm going to see if I can set a record for the number of meals I can get in one flight. Okay, this is a challenge. How many do you the, get in the <laughs> time I beat you on Germany? The record is pretty high. I think I got five in one sitting once on the way back from Hong Kong. So okay, no, but this one here yeah, is a challenge. challenge. You've got to try your strategy and I'll try my strategy. And then when we, yep. yep, that's the challenge. Okay, nice. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll wrap up with all the promotional stuff once you go, but you have a safe trip home, yeah. mate, and I'll catch up for you in the next couple of days, and uh, we'll be back to normal next week on the show, so uh, careful, mate. It's a dangerous world. <laughs> Righto, guys, so that's pretty much the show for this week. Just a couple of things before we go. Uh, if you want to buy anything from Amazon, can you do it through our store? We get a little bit of a commission on that, and a few people have actually been doing it lately, and it's really cool. Uh, also, another way to support the show is to go on to our website and click on one of the ads on the website, which is Talk. It's also the place where you get the show notes and all the websites of the that we've talked about throughout the show. Um, oh, If you want to donate to the show, you go to, again, Talk, and there's a little donation button there. We've had a few people donating to the show, and it's really cool. It's just helping us kind of make the show a little bit better. Uh, we're trying to get some better equipment, and uh, that'd be really cool. And I think that's pretty much it. So uh, thanks so much for listening. Just on my rote progress, it's been a pretty full-on period at this stage because I've been working a lot harder than what I normally work and uh, fitting my training in around the working has been challenging. I've been managing to get it in, but probably hasn't been my most effective training I've ever done. So um, I don't know. It's an interesting period, but it's kind of a good challenge to bring it on. And luckily, my work actually quietens down over the next period. So I've got another couple of weeks of real big work in front of me and then pretty much start my taper from there. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm Russ, I'm in Don't. Train hard, train smart, Kia Ka.